0: process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com.
1: Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to a new Redefining Cybersecurity podcast here on ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. And uh, in this show, Redefining Cybersecurity, I try to explore the idea or the, the concept of uh, making security work for the business, so operationalizing technology and the teams and the processes in a way that uh, doesn't just protect the business from risk, but actually helps them grow uh, revenue and, and, and money, basically, <laughs> and exposure in the market, market share, if you will. Um, so, two two angles there, and and no lack of technologies available uh, to help companies with this. And I think with that, it makes it very complicated to uh, to get a handle on what policies are needed, what controls are required. How do you know that those things, if you actually implement them, are working properly? And who do you tell, and do they care, and why should they care, and why do they give you money to do all that stuff? So it's enough about the show and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, I think today's topic is one, for me, when we started kind of exploring uh, the idea of having this conversation, it seemed kind of far-fetched. But uh, a lot has happened even in just the last few months with AI, and Generate AI AI and uh, large language and natural language models that uh, the role of virtual reality, augmented reality, doesn't seem to be so far-fetched anymore. Um, so that's going to be the topic today, and, and talking about uh, adding technologies to the mix that hopefully help but could perhaps uh, complicate things even more. Uh, that's kind of the conversation today. I'm thrilled. Um, May sound like I like to talk to myself with this nice long intro, but I don't, and that's why I have two amazing guests on with me today, Stacy and Darius. Thanks for thanks for joining.
2: Hi, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. Yep.
1: And I'm I'm glad we we pulled this together. And uh, for those who don't don't know you yet, uh, a few words about who you are and what you're up to, and maybe a, a tidbit on. Why you're interested in the topic of VR and cyber? So, Stacey will uh, start with you. First. Sure,
3: sure. So, hi, my name is Dr. Stacey Thayer, and and I've been uh, involved in the security industry for uh, well as long as I can sort of remember, starting with 2600s, and then also in not when it was not VR, but video games. So. Uh, Definitely playing video games on some form, even on my dad's Apple IIe. Uh, So as both of those industries have evolved, uh, I've been paying attention to both of them. Uh, And I'm currently an adjunct professor at Norfolk State University, uh, where I teach uh, virtuality. There uh, and then, also I do work in in the cybersecurity industry. Uh, last time I had the pleasure of speaking with you was when I was uh, speaking at Black Hat about burnout. So I dabble in a lot of different uh, industries within the security industry, uh, but this this one in terms of virtual reality and augmented reality has been a, a new and upcoming interest that I think has a lot uh, to learn from, a lot to discuss. So I'm really excited to be here.
1: I'm. Uh... So excited to uh, to pick your brain, and and you brought somebody with you to I, uh, to help us uh, round out the conversation. Uh, yes, who, who's with you?
3: So I have the honor of bringing with me to Dr. Darius Hines Cross. Uh, he was he's been a student in a couple of my classes at NSU, and is uh, an absolutely outstanding. I always student, you know, I always look forward to reading his papers, and he's uh, has a background in security, as well. Let him him discuss and. Um, when he's in my virtuality class, and then this topic came up, and we talked about, what Sean and I talked about, okay, he's somebody who's also at the intersection of security and virtuality, and, and maybe had taken one of my classes. There was really, Darius's name came right to mind. So I'm really excited to be able to have this opportunity with him. It's very memorable, student,
2: Great ideas and thoughts. Love it.
1: Who's Darius? Darius, a few words if you
2: wouldn't mind. <laughs> yes. that's not how uh, hello, I'm Dr. Darius Science cross uh, I am a cyberpsychology student right now going out to Northfolk State University. Uh, I am a cybersecurity professional. So right now I'm a security-assigned expert in charge of uh, providing strategy and technical guidance to many of my clients, um, both in the finance space, DoD, Intel, etc. cetera. Uh, I am working towards a cyberpsychology degree this because this program is so interesting this topic so discussing how humans interact with virtual environments how virtual reality intersects with cybersecurity issues and operations offensive and defensive operations so very excited to be here and i look forward to the topics that we're going to discuss
1: i love it and i mean i have a list of like 100 questions um Marco would, uh, would freak out if he knew I had that many questions. But I mean, the, the, the scope of this can be super broad, right? Um, so I don't know how best to start. Or, or maybe a good place might be, because I, I think for the, the general person thinking about virtual reality and augmented reality, they, they think metaverse-like stuff. And to your point early on, Stacy, the, the gaming aspect of things Mm -hmm. which may which could cross over certainly into business uh, gamifying activities and things like Mm -hmm. that but are there maybe to start are there other industries where vr is playing a role in driving better operations for improved efficiencies uh, less human error for better uh, results from a human perspective, not burning them out. To your point about black, your black hat talk. So, maybe from each of you, an, an example of where it's being used in business today that we might then pull on those strings to to make the connection to where cyber can benefit as well.
3: Sure. Well, um, one of the things that we we covered during class. So I, I'm not going to quiz anybody. I promise. Uh, but uh, there's a there's actually. Quite a bit of, of use for it. The ones that I find the most interesting actually both have to do with um, with healthcare. So training medical professionals uh, so that they're able to do pretty significant operations, but they do it virtually in, in the educational environment. So both healthcare education for all ages it has huge implications. Which to me, that's one of the areas where where it needs the most focus, also on on security uh, and and protecting students, of course, but. Um, there's also, um, businesses are, uh, marketing departments and businesses are really struggling or really catching to try to catch the wave of, um, of VR by creating virtual spaces that then they can use to market. Um, I had the advantage of going to, um, HubSpot conference, um, last September, and they had an amazing conversation about virtual reality and marketing. And it was amazing to hear the business applications and things in terms of how do you get users to engage in a world I mean and this is everything from um, it was a fast food restaurant chain and gamifying it but um, then how are they having this with businesses but then you've got then the the medical side and the instrumental side of what you can do let's say you have somebody with PTSD and you can work them through some of their greatest fears using virtual reality, using VR and having them experience it. So if you're somebody who's afraid of spiders, you put on that headset and now you see a spider crawling up your arm, right? I'm going to freak out <laughs> still. I, I have not gone through that exposure therapy. But for somebody who's you know in the military, there's incredible uses for VR in the military and in the government that are also being used and developed. So really... Right now, there's a lot of examples in, that we look to and say, okay, here's meta, and, here, and here's, you know, we're putting on the headsets and Oculus, and you know, whatever. But when you really step back and look at, you are creating an alternative world where the, the sky is the limit for a lot of people. And what does that mean? I mean, this is this, then you're opening it up to almost this wild, wild west of, the, of this virtual world. So I'll stop there and hand it over
2: to Darius. <laughs> Sure, so uh, again, as Stacey had mentioned, in one of our classes, virtuality, we were discussing healthcare, huge topic, being able to get that exposure therapy to individuals that uh, might not have access to go to a local therapist or might not have access to a system that they can bring to them for like spiders, as an example, or fear of heights, like going out to a building, going up to the top of it with your therapist. It's it's a lot safer now in a virtual environment. It's controlled. The scenarios can be created ahead of time. They can be tested and it provides a safer environment for military to be able to work through the course of their PTSD, et cetera. Uh, another field, and this is kind of a mix between virtual reality as we also discuss, you know, augmented reality uh, as well. So, getting to kind of that mixed uh, space, mixed AR space, where you have uh, companies. I know one company, uh, Splunk, uh, who I work for, they have added art of, uh, augmented reality to their uh, platform. So, now when a data, data owner or data admin goes into uh, their server center, they can see the metrics of their servers through augmented reality versus having to log into each system, having to see what the temperature is of this rack versus a different rack. They can see all of those specs either through skated means or just regular server hardware. And, And that increases efficiencies as you were talking about. It requires less time now to Uh, less admins as well because you can now just basically cruise through your server city and get all the specs you need without needing to find those logs go into each system you see there's a problem it pops up right away with an error you can walk into your server room and if something is hot then it just shows red versus you trying to figure out okay which server is it where are we so there's a lot of interesting use cases for both virtual reality within the business world, medical field, uh, and of course education, because being able to do research online has changed the whole landscape of education. Being able to complete a master's, being able to complete a doctorate online and still get that same value add as if you were in person, being able to attend virtual classes that give you hands-on keyboards still, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, where you can actually mess with devices through virtual means without having to go to to a lab with expensive equipment during very specific times because labs are always booked.
1: And I, I definitely want to get into kind of what's possible in terms of what you see and how you might move around those kinds of things but i want to stay it'd be naturally easy for me to get into the how but i want to i want to talk about the what first for for another moment in terms of what what's the what are the possibilities or maybe the objectives of virtual and augmented reality in the sense of providing an environment where somebody can See something, maybe witness something you talked about in the the um, PTSD and and uh, and exposure therapy scenarios, e- experiencing and, and changing the way you experience something, perhaps. Um, so those are a few things that I pulled from the conversation thus far. But what, what's what's possible with AR and VR that we should really consider as potential benefits? as we explore the world of cyber uh, with this technology there?
3: Well, I think um, the first example that always comes to mind is uh, I can share a personal story, right? So my parents who are in their eighties, right? They love Paris. They can't really go to Paris anymore. I can. I have a VR headset, pop that puppy on, and boom, they're in Paris. And what's interesting, and this could be a whole other topic, when you start picking apart what happens to the brain when you experience that immersion and that presence and how, as we evolve into better graphics and reality and how much we can feel that we are in a place. And when you start thinking about people that either aren't able to travel, um, whether or not, you know, if we start, like now we offer laptops to kids in schools. Well, let's say now we're on couple of years down the line, we're offering VR headsets. What if you're actually able to then imagine, like, here's something that was in the past. Here's something that could be in the future. I mean, it, it opens up worlds. And I think that that begins to be a benefit where we begin to experience. Now, it, it's crafted reality. So this is something that we have to be careful of because we can say, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to experience what it's like to lo- live in Nepal? Right. And here it is. I put on my headset. I go to my 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 house and I get on the um, the the bike and, you know, ride my ride my bike around with, you know, all, I mean, but it's still crafted into something that came from somebody that that you're going to see. I mean, think about like Google Maps, right? Have you ever looked at Google Maps and you're like, what's on that street? So I know when I'm going to be there. Oh, look, there's a subway. OK. And there's this. And you look to see exactly what the building looks like well that's just on a on a web on a website now imagine if we could do that and and there it is but we're we're really in there and for anybody who's ever read or or seen like ready player one i mean where it's an entire reality but we're living we're just in the chairs how far could that really go could that happen uh and when i when i teach i i always wish um a couple times not every day but a lot of times where i could put on a, a headset and there's the there are the students it's not convenient to go to a class. I've taught in person I love I love interacting with the students, but sometimes when it's just through uh, when it it's not when it's asynchronous, you do lose a lot of that person-to-person connection. whereas could we actually have a virtual class environment that doesn't make us nauseous within 30 minutes and we can actually have the experience so to me it could go anywhere from just, helping somebody who is maybe has physical challenges or can't leave their house, see parts of the world they might never see to, could it grow into something that's an entire alternate reality that becomes literally in this case, a second life.
1: And Darius, I, w- I want your thoughts on this as well. Um, and i I'm going to frame it a little bit here in the sense that I, I, I have the, the pleasure of speaking to uh, security leaders uh, all over the world, and, and I get to hear some interesting stories. And one, one that I heard was about um, tons of uh, business continuity planning and disaster recovery planning, and uh, processes put in place, and even even some uh, some. I don't know tests uh, or trial runs of of those plans, but uh, taken. <laughs> and when reality struck, um, it was one of the one simple thing that uh, that caught them. That I don't know, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but basically one one particular part of the network lost connection, right? And that connection wasn't planned for in in the plan, and. So I'm wondering if there's a way, now that this this kind of says that we we have our environment, right, our, our IT environment mapped out somehow, and maybe you want to touch on this as well, what that might look like, um, so that I can see if this happens, then this, and if this happens, then that, and if I take care of this, that it fixes these but not those. Um, d- describe a little bit of that world, if you can, for me, and... And then maybe also to go back and touch on the kind of the, the experience thing where perhaps the experience is the only way, I'm guessing, to really,
2: <laughs> to really have that knowledge. Sure. So I'm sure we've all seen the movies out there where you see them with all the fancy dashboards and you get the dotted lines. It's like, oh, that's gone red there. And then it redirects and it's green on another flow. I mean, we wish that could be reality everywhere. But from a virtual reality standpoint, it's, it's a great idea. It's something that could exist. Again, you've mapped out your network. You know what it looks like. So to plan for this, you can build out kind of a dev environment in a way is what it would seem like, a dev test environment like you would have for production in virtual reality, where you can actively look at, OK, I can see my system through the goggles, um, even though the system is in real life. So taking that and saying, okay, now what happens if this cable goes down and then each sysadmin, network admin can be in the scenario and they can see, oh, well, this is working correctly, but this one isn't. All right. So how do we trace that back? And so being able to virtualize that, uh, the ability to have a network diagram virtual in itself is a huge value because Now I can look and see where those connections are in a three dimensional shape, not just 2D. So, okay. So I see that there's a connection going from the server to this server. Cool. However, okay. So now I see pull it into a third dimensional realm. This connection splits off technically into two lanes and this lane dropped. And okay, so now I need to know, based off of my network, based off of my network provider, my ISP, okay, if you go down, maybe I need a backup ISP. Maybe I need another way to circumvent my normal flow because I didn't account for that. Business continuity, it's testing it. That's the one thing that never really happens because it's expensive. It's expensive to go from even a hot hot. Uh, scenario where both sites are fully operational it's expensive to cut over to that second site because you have personnel that needs to be switched out you might have to get people on flights depending on how many people are at that secondary site you have to basically switch all of your network connections through your isp provider so it's a lot of work that has to be done in the quote quote the physical realm because we're we're trying not to use the word real world because in in reality virtual reality and physical reality it's all real world it all can have an effect on your mind on your body on your life so having the ability virtually to kind of go back and forth and say this works this didn't, is invaluable
1: yeah and and i just remembered the 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 killer point that was made and it was that the tls records were set for 48 hours or something which meant that the whole failover <laughs> was going to take two days which was not uh, feasible obviously um which brings me to kind of the point of time where perhaps you can recognize that that is the reality but but then fast forward and and, and virtually experience what the outcome of that might be two days may be okay yep. for certain types of systems, but if you if you can't fast forward to see that two days actually did re was <laughs> required and, and that that was the impact um, could be a could be a positive thing. So, uh, Stacy, I don't know if any of your students, maybe Darius as well. Um, any any specific research in the area of VR and cyber? Any projects? Um, Obviously, Darius, you mentioned Splunk examples in the commercial space. Are there any others um, that we can point to just to say companies and and researchers are making an investment here um, to to see what's possible? You're muted. Sorry. You
3: think after three, four years of this, I'd be good at it
1: now. The world was on pause for a moment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I'm also a member of the um, VRAR Association and um, a whole Slack channel and groups of, of different verticals and industries and how they're using um, AR and VR and what kind of research that they're doing. Um, thus far, none of the students that I've worked with have selected VR as a, a research or capstone project. In part, it's, it's hard to get access to. So... You know, one of the assignments I give to the students is to reflect on a time when they experienced uh, immersion and presence. And for some, they've used VR, and for some, they haven't. And it's as much as you know, a game that they played or Pokemon Go or or whatnot. Um, so. Um, in in terms of um, of research at the university, we're still up and coming with that uh, ability to be able to do that. They have a small VR setting in the the research lab, but to be able to do that magnitude of data, uh, I think. Darius might be able to turn to this is a lot for uh, a capstone class in a, in a two-year program, but I'm hoping um, as they grow and hopefully have somebody have a uh, doc- doctoral program in cyber psychology, that that's something we'll see more research on because it's, it is a costly topic to to research and you have to um, I, it really, you can't just put out a survey on it. You have to do a lot more qualitative data. Uh, in terms of the industries and verticals that are are using it, um where I, I actually had a really interesting discussion with somebody at that HubSpot event because I said, well, if people are rushing to market on VR and say, okay, here's my virtual uh, environment and now you can virtually go into a subway or, or whatever it may be. Are we then, when it is, uh, and I've worked in marketing, so I'm just gonna say this with as much love as I have. Um, sometimes we rush to get the marketing hat on and we don't stop and think, should we be doing that? Is this secure? What impact is this having? Is it safe? Um, what is this virtual environment creating? So I do know that there's a lot of discussion within the different societies about what are best practices. And uh, so that's that's just one example of, of an association that is, uh, you know, they they have meetings, they talk about, um, so. Uh, some of the, the verticals have pretty, you know, energy and uh, energy use. So, okay. Could you virtually walk into, um, you know, look, to look at the grids. Could you use that as a VR environment? Could you use that in, in military uses? What's there? And in hospitality, we look at also storytelling. Um, and that's where I think some of the research is coming from is that because it's not something that we're able to quantitatively do, which I can say from, you know, my own, Uh, academic research too. You're really just looking to survive at that level sometimes. You're like, what quantitative questionnaire can I give? And let's code this sucker and get it out the door. Um, I'm I'm really hoping that we'll start to see more longitudinal data as the technology gets better. So much of this really does rely on the technology. Um, It is just becoming where people can start to put on a VR headset and, and not get sick. I actually look at my kids who Um, And yes, I'm that mom who lets their kids use VR. My daughter loves it. She can spend an hour on that. Uh, I spend, I'm like on there for about 40 minutes. And then I start to get nauseous. Um, I did it with a group of people where they did a virtual office environment. Actually they were trying to, during COVID create virtual and office environment. So you could all get together in a meeting room, but the technology wasn't there. It was a great HR solution, but we had, uh, they sent us the headsets. We had about four of us on there and First, um, the our CEO just tapped right out. This is my my last company. He's like, I'm feeling sick. I got t- I didn't take the Dramamine. I got 20 minutes in, and then he's out. Then I uh, think our marketing person was out, and then um, HR. And I you know, just out of sheer stubbornness, I'm holding on. And then once it was over, at the end of it, I'm like, I, I need to go lay down. I'm like, all right, that's my limit. So that hit that hinders the research, but. The the more we get, and the the more, especially now with everything that's come up in in the past couple of months with Chat GPTI, with what's happening, where we're starting to go towards AI and this concept of removing the humanity of certain things. Um, and I I want to use that carefully because that's a loaded loaded statement. Um, so I think, I think that's where we're going to see the, the most research. It, once the technology starts to get there, where we can r- really dig in and see what happens. And then as, as these digital natives continue to grow up and do research.
1: Yeah. And Darius, I'm going I'm to turn to you because you you gave an example of looking at a, a server room, server farm, server world. <laughs> I don't know how how extensive that that world is, that view is that you provide uh, with the Splunk capabilities. But, uh, I mean, it it seems cool. It's probably valuable information, Um, data that exists. And so I want to hang on that point and kind of go back to to what Stacy was just describing in terms of technology being ready for humans to interact with. Um, I want to turn it slightly to... The technology interacting with the business environment that exists and perhaps some of the challenges we might face there. And the, the, the example that I that I'll use to kind of kick it off is I mean, we talk about inventory and, and understanding the, the business role of every asset in, in the company. So we can then do a risk assessment and and uh, and manage that risk to to uh, the best ROI possible. Right. What, what controls to return the best results uh, to reduce exposure and manage that risk? Not many companies can do that today, right? But a lot of that same data, in my opinion, is required for this VR-type world where what is it, where is it, what does it do, what's the metadata, what's what's the interaction with the rest of the environment so that we can then experience that in the VR world. Uh, do you, Do you think... We're in the same spot uh, from that tech to tech perspective as we are in the way that Stacey described it from the tech to human perspective. Do we have ways to go there still?
2: I think there are ways. There, we have a long ways to go. It's I've seen multiple industries, multiple verticals that implement technology without really doing those risk analysis going the extra mile to understand what this technology will do in my space? Will it help it? Will it hinder it? Is it just a bandwagon thing where I'm doing this because my competitor is doing this and I just need to show that I'm being innovative? Do I send VR headsets to every single new employee because that's what the new generation wants, Um, but without doing research on can a whole workday go virtual. Can you spend eight hours <laughs> in VR, which a lot of us won't be able to? It's so my dissertation was on Internet of Things and how small and medium-sized businesses were implementing these IoT devices without any concern for security. And so I see the same thing with virtuality. So with aviation, a little different. They've had virtual reality for a while they've had flight simulators that full level four flight simulators where you get into this massive basically fuselage and it runs through a whole simulation of you being able to take off land you feel the movements it turns and you are fully immersed and i think as the technology improves where the immersion piece is improved that will one reduce the kind of fatigue that the body feels being in a virtual environment, but also improve the, I guess, return on investment for businesses because that right now, if this technology was implemented everywhere, people would be fighting it. Not just people, the human body would be fighting it. Just everything. Like it's not cohesive enough to just plug and play into any business vertical that's out there. Very specific, industries can take it of cybersecurity as an example there's a lot of companies that are trying to make virtual like seam products or virtual desktops where security analysts can look at their events virtually without having to look at a computer or another example would be uh, macbooks uh, apple has there's technology out there where you can connect like your oculus to a mac and then you have your desktop shown virtually like, these are technologies that need to get improved before they're really pushed out because if not, then people will be adverse. People won't want to implement virtual reality because they're like, Oh no, I remember I got sick on that one time or this happened. And then they're, it's just going to start hurting these industries.
1: Yeah. So Marco did an episode with, um, I believe is a photographer that, uh, does like high-end photo shoots and things like that. And, and evidently he's implemented this studio environment that is a combination of physical and virtual where the subject subjects are in the physical studio at, at the moment anyway. And he is the photographer is in the virtual studio controlling the physical gear and, and, uh, guiding the, the physical subjects in, in the physical studio, <laughs> um, which is pretty cool. So I'm just uh, I'm wondering if there's a similar scenario where we might find a mix of things, where there's the physical world, kind of to your point of looking at a screen that's emulating your desktop. Um, I'm, I'm envisioning a, a SOC analyst sitting in front of a bunch of machines and, and being able to kind of navigate things like that on my mind earlier this morning went 100 miles further (laughs) down that road but i'm just wondering what uh, what kind of worlds can we create physical and and virtual hybrid um that that i think different roles can use Start, start with the analyst role for example
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, From an analyst perspective, you're sitting there either in a 24 seven shop um, or just a day shift shop, depending on what you're doing as an analyst. And yet you're charged with watching three, four different screens at a time. So if you transfer that virtually, now I can say, okay, I have a list of events here. I can simply touch that event with my virtual finger, mouse, and it open up, okay, the next series. So automation, huge thing when it comes to cybersecurity operations. So if I can simply just interact naturally with my hands to open up these events, to drag and drop it into my uh IP finder if I need to search uh, where this IP exists, country, et cetera, or my threat intel platform, because I want to pull specific threat intel. If I can start just na- naturally in- interacting with this virtual environment, then that will reduce one, it'll just reduce the overall fatigue. I mean, you're doing a 10 hour, 12 hour shift. So instead of, you know, you're just sitting there clicking a button and doing this, clicking another button, <laughs> doing this, typing in some notes. Now I can actually, it's kind of like gamifying it, right? I'm I'm in a like virtual game where I'm doing what they used to do in the movies where they're dragging and dropping. I can speak my voice notes and that will translate to text for me. I can have, you know, an AI program that's speaking to me and saying, Hey, you might want to look at this. And just the future can be so vast when looking at how virtuality can affect and virtual reality can affect the different industries. I mean, we've seen it in the medical field where there's remote surgeries happening where there's somebody that's very talented that has to do brain surgery and they get the equipment necessary to do that surgery thousands of miles away. And so changing the landscape and removing the physical realm will definitely improve just the overall mechanics of these jobs. I mean, firefighting, another example. If you say, oh, there's there's about to be a flash over, I can see it, the temperature's rising. Instead of, relying on that experience, which is still important, of the firefighter, you still reduce lives loss by saying, this is about to happen, the temperature's rising, there's a body over here based off this heat signature. Let's improve versus replace people, improve the technology around people so that they can do a better job and they're safer overall.
3: I think, yeah, and, and- you kind of bounce your examples there, and I think about network security as being a really good example. If you look at how that's evolved over the years, so um, with Netography, when a uh, company that I look like, we talk about this atomized network, and that's because we've, it's not just network security anymore. It's now it's in the cloud, or it's on prem, or it's in all of these different places. And with so many times, you're, you're basically looking from screen to screen to screen. Where is you know where where's everything coming from? It's it's just gotten bigger and more dispersed and ephemeral and it's, everything's changing. What if also you could can see that and, and see that within a virtual environment? And, you know, Darius, I love when you talk about like, oh, even just walking into a knock and seeing, oh, it's red over there. I don't have to scan through logs and, and look at everything and see what's going on. You know, if there was a way to um, you know, take what is being reported on or take what you're n- noticing and looking at it from, from the cloud, from on-prem, you know, look at packets, however it all comes together in this, in this, visualization of it but one of the things I think also is when we take something that's data or that something that is um quantitative the notion of VR it is a very visual environment I mean that's really what we're relying on sure we could get into how you can make it 4D and create smells and sounds and everything like that But for a lot of these verticals, we have to think about how do we visualize them? What does a network look like? And how would we put that into a virtual reality that then you could put on a headset and and be in? How do you immerse yourself into something if we don't maybe even know what it looks like? So it becomes a very abstract notion that we have to almost agree upon in order to say, okay, this is this is what doing network security looks like, and, and what it would look like to look into my network, or what it would look like to, you know, we know what it looks like to to fly a plane. So okay, that's one they think the advantages of why we've been able to have that um, that technology. But do we know what it's like to um, to to do these things? Could could we even have it where it's, it's I could put on my headset and ooh, now I know what a day in Sean's life looks like. <laughs> and and really, literally look at what it's like to go outside our, our own realities to another person's. And um, to me, once well, we can agree on the technology and the perception, and the view, the vision, it becomes limitless.
1: And I, and I want to take you further there, Stacey, um, because there are two, two roles within the organization that I think we, we as security professionals have a hard time connecting with. That's the end user. And the executive staff, and I'm wondering, to your point, can you look into my world and see what it's like? Um, I can see a a role where VR says, "Here's your business environment, executive staff, and here's the security layer. Excuse me, security layer on it in that world um, to show you what we did for you today. And guess what? You can you can pull that world up anytime you like and see what's going on right? Yep. Which business units are at risk, which ones are warm and hot, which ones are, are flying great and in compliance, and then kind of flip it to the other end of the spectrum or where you have users that um, if we could show them the, the world that that email went to right? when, they, mm-hmm. when, they, uh, when they said, yes, I'll, I'll reply with the credentials to, uh, to transfer money on this uh, business email compromise. Uh, scam that I just, uh, just received, um, if we can visualize that for them as well. So are there, are there other, I don't know if those are good or not, but are there other examples where we can kind of make those connections where it might be a little more difficult to make those connections without VR?
3: I mean, in my mind, the ability to grow upon empathy, um, not just compassion, but true empathy of what it's like to be Darius for a day, you know, or maybe if you want, everyone, want, anyone wants to know what it's like to be a mom of seven year old twins, I'm happy to share it. But until you're you know, in my VR world hearing mommy, 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 you know, do you know what that's, that's like? And um, this is where now, though, we can look at the, it gets a little thorny because when you start getting into, Virtual reality. We we have to start to look at cyber crime and, and a virtual world and um, what is somebody's personal property, um, whether it's their face, their likeness, or hey, is that okay? Could I virtually enter your world and see what that's like? Now, I think when when you're to to, to bring it back, we have to go all the way to um, cyber crime and and that whole world. That's a probably a whole other conversation, but. Um, The ability to, in a business environment, and I think especially for, say, a uh, a CISO, for example, who wants to present to the board. That's one of the number one complaints of of reports from CISOs now is that they're really having trouble getting board buy-in and executive buy-in. Well, could they say, here, here's what it is that I do. Look at it. I know you may not speak the language. You may not understand the technology, but you're going to actually experience it. Could that get more buy-in, could that get more understanding to where they can actually, they can't use the language to immerse them in the world, so then could they do it visually? And I think that if they say you know, a picture speaks a thousand words, imagine what a VR environment could say.
1: Yep. And Darius, what about uh, AppSec and, and uh, engineering and DevSecOps? Seems like another world where we can kind of paint paint a picture of what this app environment looks like and and works like, right?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely. That's appsec, uh, DevOps. Both of those environments are are critical and difficult to look at from a visual perspective if you don't know what you're looking at. So, for example, DevOps, DevSecOps, even it's. it's in- bring security into this. So developers, they might not know what security does, security doesn't know what developers do. And so you have a situation where developers bring in this application and say, hey, we're done, we have it. And then the security person's like, but it's there's a clear text password right there. Like, I, I don't understand. And so being able to kind of cross support both of them by saying, okay, here's a visual representation of how I think this app should look and interact. And then security can say, okay, well, here's my visual representation on how it should be secured. This is my visual rep- representation on an attacker gaining access through this port for this purpose, because you don't have authentication on that. And then the app developer, oh, well, I could just turn that off or, oh, I could just use a certificate here. Like, well, great, do that. Uh, so showing them having those visuals and that's, that's I mean that's probably part of the problem is taking that text taking those thoughts and making it visual because that really is going to make or break this technology
1: yeah i'm i'm, I'm certain none none of them will come from my uh my lame ideas but the, the number of Business opportunities we we talked about today, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably yeah. countless, and I'm sure <laughs> ten times that as well. So congratulations to all the folks listening that uh, have a, a, a confirmation of a business idea or a creation of a new one, uh, where you're making millions on uh, VR and cyber. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, I think we have sounds like we have a ways to go in technology, both making a use. Uh, usable for people for extended periods of time. And we still have a lot of traditional uh, challenges in cyber uh, just from collecting the data and having access to it and from all over the place and actually making sense of it before we can actually get there from the tech perspective as well. But I think once once those things start to un- unlock, um, it's tremendous amounts of potential here. Um, so that being said, it's probably hard for listeners to kind of take Take any points here and say, "Oh, I'm I'm ready to go do this <laughs> with with VR in my ops, uh, DevOps, uh, SecOps environment." Um, so instead of that, maybe some some advice from the two of you for where folks might look to better understand VR and at a broad scale, um, and how to maybe learn a little bit more about it in a way that they could then eventually be prepared when things do fly. Any resources or anything?
3: Well, I think um, if you're really interested in seeing what's on the cusp this, um, there's a lot of groups and, and discussions and um, things so for this part of this ARVR um, association. And then there's a lot of conferences and there's a lot of events that that take place Um there's the ones that I'm looking at. Uh, even a storytelling forum, uh, healthcare forum, retail forum, and you know, I who knows? Maybe we can create a cybersecurity forum for VR. Um, and I think the fun exercise for anybody who's listening to this—if you had to stop and think about what is your job—if you had to draw a picture of your job, not you doing your job, no stick figures yet—but um, if you had to visualize your job, what what would you make it look like? If you had to create a VR environment. To share it, what would that look like? And to start playing around with that idea so that when the technologies you know, catch up or are released or wherever they're at right now, um, that you have an idea or a thought on that. Uh, are there, are think, there
1: prototyping tools for that? I mean, if I'm I talk sure. about <laughs> security analytics and risk management, I can point yeah. people to Tableau, for example, to play around with. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I
3: think right now, if, if I had to guess um, when it is released, kind of like how all of a sudden chat GPT just swooped in and boom, it was everywhere. Like as soon as we get a technology that, hey, okay, the virtual floodgates have opened, except I mean that literally now, How on. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you will know and then all of a sudden much like we were talking like going to RSA this year AI was the hot topic VR could be the hot topic and I think anybody that is working on that technology is is keeping it pretty close to the chest right now um because it is the the notion of of VR and AR specifically VR in this environment would could really change the way that we do business and the way that we think about not only our jobs not only the businesses but each, each other. And to me, that's at the end of the day, what it all comes down to is how are we communicating with each other and understanding either the technology, but who's the, who are we communicating that to? And how are they hearing it and experiencing it?
2: And I would say I, w- I would charge security professionals to not get blindsided, not just ignore it until it becomes a problem. I mean, look at AI, we've talked about it a lot because we can't not talk about it at this point it's in our faces and if you aren't prepared for it you have to be prepared for it same with virtual reality how are you going to secure that data does securing voice data matter yes because what if someone says their password during a zoom call or says their password in the virtual environment what if you create a business environment where people are talking to each other about trade secrets virtually okay that needs to be secured What about just the regular user uh all those different services that are being offered for uh, playing just even playing golf or playing a game like okay what information are you going to provide to this seemingly stranger that you're interacting with virtually yes it might seem like your best buds now because you're in a virtual environment and you all are just having fun and you feel like you have a real connection but what if that's not the case what if this is just somebody that is only trying to get your information? Oh, credit card information. Oh, where were you born again? Oh, yeah, what's what's your mom's name? Things like that. Like just having that virtual interaction, it's changing the landscape of what we should be concerned with. If you were just in a bar and somebody asked you what your mother's maiden name was, you'd be like, well, why should I tell you? But after hanging out with somebody virtually for even an hour, you could become best buds with them.
1: Yeah. And it, it's easy to look at some of this stuff in a silo. I mean, we do that all the time in security and networking, right? <laughs> so we, <laughs> AR and VR separate from AI, separate from, uh, the rest of the tech world. I mean, it's all coming together, right? Uh, let's be honest. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put a plug out. I know, uh, our good friend host of the national blast podcast, Keenan Skelly, uh, was hoping to join us. She couldn't make this chat, but, uh, She's involved with the XR Village at DEFCON, uh, which is a cyber focused uh, AR, VR work group, I guess, if you will, if you want to call a, a village a work group. It's a bunch of volunteers come together around to a topic. Um, so if you happen to be going to Hacker Summer Camp, uh, DEFCON CON in, in Vegas <laughs> in, in September or August, I should say, uh, hit up Keenan and the XR Village team. Um, well if you think of other resources um you you'll have an opportunity to share those with me and i'll put those in the show yep. notes and i think this is a topic that uh i would encourage folks listening or or watching to uh to comment on um, reply to the post on social media with ideas or questions and i'll uh, i'll keep an eye out uh so we can keep the conversation going there cuz this this is one where it's not just about uh how, how best to connect the firewall to the cloud uh, and do, do so operationally uh, wise, right? This is a topic that has a lot of uh, discussion uh, options here. So, Stacey and Darius, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Tip of the iceberg, I think. Uh, many more down the line if you're up for it. Okay. And uh, for everybody Definitely. listening, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us here. Again, participate in the conversation. Uh, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, see you on the next Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSB Magazine.
0: Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at Pantera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. and society.